This episode of News Jump is brought to you by Freshly and by Gainful. Hey, good news for fans of one of, if not the greatest animated comedies of all time, because the creators of South Park just landed an absolutely massive deal with Paramount that will extend the life of all of their characters and basically anything else that the duo want to make for many years to come. Uh, there's a lot to look forward here, thanks in part to Paramount's exclusive streaming platform, Paramount Plus. And look, if the streaming wars continue to reward subscribers who can dip in and out whenever they want with announcements of quality content like this, then fine. If these companies want to throw around billions of dollars to get more seasons of South Park and stuff like The Mandalorian, mm -hmm. and that's going to hopefully bring in new subscribers, great. Whatever. Yeah, you don't have to subscribe to all of them at once. No, just leave and then go back whenever you want to watch things. Uh, the budgets that are being thrown around as a way to boost subscriber growth for these streaming platforms, they're absurd. But at least it seems like it's getting good to uh, put to good use in a lot of cases. Didn't Parker and Stone get an insane amount of money like a year ago from Hulu? HBO Max. HBO Max for yeah. exclusivity there. I didn't realize the window was so narrow. It's not. Got... It's not. This is going to be dueling. What? Yes. It's odd. All right. They left, uh, we forgot the exclusivity clause. Fuck. Damn it. Anyway, a recently announced deal between Matt Stone and Trey Parker with Paramount to the tune of nearly a billion dollars has guaranteed fans more seasons of the long-running television series on Comedy Central, in addition to 14 movies for Paramount+. Plus. Mm -hmm. uh, here's some more details on the deal from Variety. Bloomberg News reported that the deal was valued at $900 million over the six-year term. That's an eye-popping number that includes the license fees for 14 movies and three additional 10-episode seasons of the South Park series produced through the pair's Park County banner. It's understood that the deal calls for Viacom CBS to advance Parker and Stone $150 million a year to cover their fees for the upcoming productions, as well as their ongoing profit participation stakes from the franchise. It continues, Matt and Trey are world-class creatives who brilliantly use their outrageous humor to skewer the absurdities of our culture, and we are excited to expand and deepen our long relationship with them to help fuel Paramount Plus and Comedy Central, said Chris McCarthy, president CEO of MTV Entertainment and chief content officer of adult animation for Paramount Plus. Franchising marquee content like South Park and developing new IP with tremendous talent like Matt and Trey is at the heart of our strategy to continue growing Paramount+. Plus. The article also points out that uh, the value is obviously there, um, and they refer back to the HBO Max deal uh, we just talked about that gave the streaming rights of past episodes and current episodes of South Park to HBO Max uh, for, at the time, $500 million, which even then was odd because... Paramount was at the time developing and planning yeah. to launch their own platform that would have certainly benefited from a massive show like this on its platform. Um, looks like Paramount has their sights set on the future, though, and with the near-perfect amount of success from Matt and Trey, uh, anything they produce, even outside of South Park, is sure to draw plenty of attention and viewership. Wait, so what's... So is, does HBO get to hold on to HBO everything up the, till now? HBO has the exclusive streaming rights until 2025. So anything new that premieres on Comedy Central would then go to HBO Max. Uh, when Paramount Plus will get it, I, I'm but not Paramount sure. Paramount Plus is getting the movies. The movies okay. and anything after 2025, yeah. uh, you would assume that they would get the rights back and not let those Jesus go. Jesus Christ. But there's... I'm sure maybe something in the contract that says that HBO gets it for a certain amount of time and then Paramount Plus can maybe put it on their platform. It's it's just strange that Paramount gave all of that up. Yeah, I mean... Uh, considering they were just two years out from 
launching their they own. They probably got outbid the first time, and now they're like, "Wait, and didn't don't they, fuck up again?" No, they also at the time I think CBS All Access existed, which was the precursor to Paramount Plus. Yeah. So what the hell were they thinking? They probably just got outbid. Or some some fucking executive was like, "Look, I'm gonna retire. I, I just want to have a big nut before I leave." So yeah, fuck it. Give South Park to HBO Max for oh, five hundred million. Is it all gonna be South Park movies, or we're gonna get like Orgasmo two? So that's the thing is, two. It, it, with with the press release, it alludes to the fact that they're Team not necessarily they're not necessarily yeah. South Park properties. I like that because I, I I've thought for a while that I'd like to see Matt and Trey do more other stuff. Yeah, nothing really against South Park itself. It's just kind it's of formulaic to, at this point. And it uh, look, everything that they've done outside of it has been a fucking home run. So yeah. it, it's not like going outside of that restriction burdens them with uh, with something that they can't do. Well, one of my favorite uh, Parker and Stone side projects, That's My Bush, Yeah, which right. ran for half a season and it was a, abruptly canceled when 9-11 happened. But it, yeah. was a, it was a sitcom, a family sitcom about George W. Bush. Yeah. Just our... Our dumb, lovable president. And who could forget Basketball, which wasn't written, directed, or produced by them, just starred them. Oh, really? I thought they wrote it. No, they, I, they, I believe the story goes, I I don't know, I didn't check, this is just like off the top of my head, but like when they got on set, they kind of did their own uh, thing okay. and punched things up. That makes but sense. But they were just brought in to star in the movie. Because hmm. they were like, look, these guys, it, it was back when South Park was just soaring yeah. in popularity. We got to get these guys. Yeah. Anyway, for their part, the duo's statement on the deal reads as follows. Comedy Central has been our home for 25 years, and we're really happy that they've made a commitment to us for the next 75 years. When we came to Viacom CBS with a different way to produce the show during the pandemic, the team were immediately supportive and enabled us to try something new that turned out to be really well-received. We can't wait to get back to doing traditional South Park episodes, but now we can also try out new formats. It's great to have partners who will always take a chance with us. It's insane that it's been 25 years. I remember... Yeah, uh, not to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but I specifically remember the only TV growing up that had Comedy Central on it, and it wasn't even at first. It like eventually got added to like the basic cable package. Was in the living room, and I had to go in the middle of the night, like it was it came on at like ten o'clock at night, yeah. and turn the volume like barely up and Whoa. sit right in front of the TV to be able to see South Park. Yeah, there was there was I was not allowed to watch. There it. was a big moral panic around that show when it first yeah. came out. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, to recap, this deal keeps South Park, the show, in production for at least three more seasons. It locks Matt and Trey into 14 movies for the Paramount Plus streaming service, which we assume would mean South Park movies or literally anything else they want to make with their production company. And as for the HBO Max deal, it looks like any new episodes of South Park after or going forward will remain as streaming exclusives on HBO until 2025. Yes, at which, at which time I would, you would hope that Paramount Plus would be like, mm, I think we're going to take these back. You would think. Moving on, though, uh, the Olympics are obviously still very much in the news. Oh, yeah. But this story is less about the games themselves and entirely about the fact that streamers and content creators are apparently just now learning that Olympics, the Olympics <laughs> are the last thing that you'd want to show clips of, uh, even if you assume that you're within the realm of fair use. Because even four years ago, NBC was extremely aggressive in their enforcement of copyright for any video and sometimes even still images of the competition. We even spoke recently about the fact that some streamers on Twitch had had their accounts banned for showing short clips and reacting to them while on stream. And it looks like the Olympics content ban will hit you no matter how big of a streamer you are. Because XQC, 
was temporarily suspended from the platform for showing clips of the Tokyo Olympic Games. How, doesn't this guy get suspended like every like week and a half? <laughs> I feel yeah. like I, I don't know anything about this guy except that he just gets suspended all the fucking time. The only th- so I knew of XQC before his Twitch major Twitch popularity because he was a competitor in the Overwatch League. Oh, and then he got kicked out of Overwatch League. Uh, and then went to Twitch, and then, okay. you know, he so hops he, around with the different metas. He, he does Grand Theft Auto, history. and yeah. So, yeah, if for some reason you have no idea who XQC is, much like me. And many others. Well, that's completely fine. It's sometimes hard to keep up with who's currently dominating which platform. But we're so old that we probably best describe him as a very energetic, often controversial gamer and streamer who previously competed at a professional level in esports, but has also found success and a massive following on Twitch, reacting to content and drama while also creating it. Yeah. Uh, very popular, very high energy, constantly appearing in the live stream fail subreddit, and honestly, one of the bigger names on Twitch currently, regardless of what you think of him or his content. Yeah. We're just simply setting the stage here for the Olympics thing as a way to show that no matter how big the streamer or content creator is, NBC will strike you down with great vengeance and furious anger if you attempt to broadcast or react to their Olympics coverage. So saith <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, XQC showed footage from the Olympics and immediately got banned from the platform after getting hit with a copyright strike from the International Olympic Committee. In fairness, he got off really lucky because he was basically just put into streamer jail or timeout for five hours oh. before his account was reinstated. Uh, and based on everything that's happened since then, there must be some kind of like negative uh, thing with a strike behind the scenes with Twitch because like, this keeps getting dragged out. And it's like, if you just got banned for five hours, you anyone would just be like, ah, oh, well, that was stupid. Anyways, on with my life. Yeah. Uh, in response to the ban, the streamer tweeted in all caps, which is how he talks on Twitch. I think I got my channel live DMCA. I took necessary precautions and thought it would be fine. Really didn't expect it, but I could have easily avoided this. Sorry for everyone involved, including the viewers. I'll be better slash smarter next time and follow guidelines more strictly. He admitted so it appears as though XQC filed a counterclaim against the <laughs> against the IOC, which we would assume would be a terrible idea, yeah. especially after admitting that he fucked up. Uh-huh. Also, we're not exactly clear as to why you would file a counterclaim if your channel was only temporarily banned. Maybe the severity of the strike has some kind of negative effect on his channel behind the scenes or affects his partnership agreement or relationship with Twitch. Like like you mentioned, like he, it seems like he gets banned at least a couple times a year. Yeah. So, like, why is this one different where he's, like, trying to fight it? It, it? it has to be something with specifically copyright strikes that Twitch is like, hey, buddy. Yeah, I don't know. We don't want the Olympics fucking breathing down our neck. It's the Olympics. Regardless, uh, we're, we're not alone in the idea that he should just take the L on this one. L, L, L. Yeah. Uh, lots of streamers, including uh, Ethan Klein, chimed in. Also to warn XQC that they'd had a negative first-hand experience with the lawyer that was advising him to return fire at the IOC. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Wait, is it... Uh, uh, video game attorney. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when he was, like, the go-to guy, and then people actually started hiring him? They're like, yeah, he's not a very good lawyer. Yeah. Ethan on Twitch <laughs> went into the details of his uh, working relationship with him yeah. and was just like... He's a clout shark. XQC, let me give you a piece of free advice. <laughs> Um, maybe double check with another attorney to make before you go uh, filing counterclaims against the Olympic Committee, the International Olympic Committee, like the any, world's largest organized crime outfit. Yeah, literally anyone. Like if it was anything else, like yeah, yeah, whatever. Go nuts, XQC. Have fun with dealing with it. But like, dude, you're the you're you're you're. If you're, very, if you're gonna come for the king, 
you best don't hi- miss. You best hire a better lawyer. Yeah. But yeah, typically we're we're all for a good fight against Goliath over stuff like fair use. But this one seems like it would be next to impossible and could end poorly for him, and maybe also result in ripple effects for the entire platform. So please don't. Yeah. But I guess I guess we'll just have to see where this goes. Better him than us. Yeah. It has been very funny. The only Twitch streamer I watch is Hassan Piker, and yeah. most a lot of his show is just scrolling Twitch, and he. He's been like so paranoid lately because you scroll through and like Olympics clips popping up. He's like, oh! it yeah. seems very stressful for him. Like something like that, I think you would be able to explain away, even if you got a lawyer to the Olympics. Like, look, he clicked the link, didn't know it was going to be that, immediately clicked out of it. But yeah, if you're on there actively reacting to it as a bit, as yeah. a part of content, and then go on Twitter and you're like, yeah, I fucked up. I streamed the Olympics. I knew it was wrong. I'll yeah. just be better next I time. I played the clip. I did commentary over it. I showed it to my fans. It was transformative. What did I do? Um, but it's not just loud, brash Twitch streamers who have found themselves caught up in copyright troubles with the Olympics. Uh, some athletes themselves have also faced social media bans for uploading footage of themselves in competition to various platforms. From NPR... Facebook says the company mistakenly blocked Jamaican gold medalist Elaine thompson Hurrah from Instagram. Sprinter thompson Hurrah, the fastest woman in the world, tweeted that she had been blocked from the platform for posting videos of her 100 and 200 meter races, videos that she did not own the rights to. Quote, so see y'all in two days, she wrote. Uh, obviously, this is way different than some random streamer commenting over footage because, I mean, you would at least assume there would be some sort of leeway given to actual athletes competing because they are the ones on screen. You would hope. And yeah, but it looks like that actually is the case. And uh, Thompson Hurrah's videos were perfectly fine to post because she's competing in them. Quote, according to the International Olympic Committee's social and digital media guidelines, Olympic athletes at the 2020 Tokyo Games are able to share Olympic Games content on their personal social media accounts with some restrictions. But the IOC explained that the uh, posted videos were just automatically picked up by the IOC's aggressive copyright protection services, which recognize the content and have taken it down immediately. Because as they put it, athletes apparently have access to approved and cleared videos for posting, but they can't just go and capture any old native footage willy-nilly and post it themselves. Yeah, and like, look, that's annoying. It's annoying to have to go to like a separate portal and be like, all right, let me look in. Like, it's like going to Getty Images or whatever. Yeah. And like, oh, let me find this clip go in the... and then edit my part out of it because it's probably just literally three hours of raw footage or something yeah. of the event. The electronic press kit. Instead of looking at the clip on YouTube and screen recording it on your iPhone and then reposting it, which is, I'm assuming, a lot of athletes would prefer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I get it. Uh, it just is funny that the Olympics is like, banned. But having said all that, I think we both agree that NBC has a lot of work to do moving forward with how the games are covered because this year has been an absolute mess that's both confusing and uninteresting. The Olympics are just kind of on, and uh, it's never clear at all whether something you're watching is live or pre-taped because it simply exists on television with little to no explanation. Yeah. Uh, with so many sports and so many different competitions and events, it is nearly impossible to figure out exactly what's going on and when, unless you are dedicating a serious amount of time to following everything. A recent write-up in The Guardian puts into words the frustrations that many are feeling towards this year's Olympics, saying the following. From NBC proper to NBCSN, the USA Channel, the Olympics Channel, and the Golf Channel, there's been no shortage of options for Olympics viewing on basic cable. But instead of sticking with single events throughout primetime, introducing them, highlighting the stakes and the protagonists, getting the viewer comfortable with the quirks of competition, NBC has deployed this vast arsenal of broadcast resources to spray America's households with a kind of inescapable Olympic televisual vomit. 
<laughs> Viewers have been able to see everything at any given moment, provided you have the Peacock streaming service, while understanding fundamentally nothing about what's going on. NBC's programming choices have been consistently bizarre, even more so when you consider that whole chunks of the schedule in Tokyo, for swimming above all, but also in athletics, were specifically rejigged to cater to the American TV audience, and at several points it's been unclear to all but the most obsessive Olympics watchers whether what's on TV at night in the US is live or a replay. On Sunday morning, the women's triple jump world record had just been broken, a thrilling men's high jump had ended in a in shared gold, and the starting gun for the men's 100 meter, the biggest race of the Olympics, had just been fired. NBC was showing a replay of the equestrian eventing final. <laughs> I do have to say, uh, there is, I've seen clips of it, I haven't watched it because I don't have Peacock, but uh, Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart are... Yeah, they're doing some like, they, they, they NBC's watch the just clips. like, do whatever you want, and it's going they, about as well they, as you they think. They swear, yeah. and they do all kinds of shit. That horse is crip walking. Yeah. Uh, there was like another like, also, weird clip that we can't show, but like during like a uh, like enduro bicycle event, there's just like a naked man like trying to run along and get on camera with everyone. Oh man! Anyways, on top of all of that, uh, with presumably dozens of camera angles at their disposal, even the stuff that's put in front of you has been frustratingly bad. Case in point, this headline: Olympic cameraman stopped filming field hockey <laughs> to focus on a cockroach in the game's final minutes, baffling fans. This is so. I love this. <laughs> There it is. I was watching field hockey, please. In the final moments of the game, too. I liked it. You know, it did the fancy, like, transmit transitions. <laughs> Cockroach. Zoom. Yeah. I've watched, it passively, watched a bunch of Olympics, and it's like they're, at least what I've watched, they're, it's just a constant stream of events with no commentary or explanation or anything going on. It's just like, I'll look up one minute, it'll be someone diving off of like a springboard, and I'll look up the next minute, and it'll be people like doing the run where you have to jump over a hurdle into the little tiny pond. Whatever that's called. You know, these are sports. Again, bullseye yeah. too big. It's 2021. Make the bullseye smaller. The only sport I care about is dressage. I like to see those. Yeah, horses that's the one that the horse that crips walk, crip walks, yeah. as Snoop Dogg puts it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, before we get into the rest of the news today, let's take a quick second to thank our sponsors, starting with Freshly. Stressed? Tired? You just don't feel like cooking? Food that's fast doesn't have to be fast food. Freshly offers quality meals without the hard work of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. We've both used Freshly when work and life become overwhelming, but you still want to eat well without the stress of shopping and cooking and planning, and it, it's great. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door. No cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain, especially right now. And with Freshly, you don't have to. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week so you can keep your fridge stocked and skip the trip to the store. Ordering is easy. Visit Freshly.com and choose from over 30 delicious, satisfying, better-for-you meals like steak peppercorn, sausage baked penne, or their chicken pesto bowl. Freshly can fit your lifestyle with a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for your dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and family size. And now, our viewers can try Freshly for just $6.16 per meal. Stop searching the internet for healthy food near me every night and start living life freshly. Your meals are always delivered fresh, never frozen, and are ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. With new meals added each week, Freshly brings the convenience of chef-made, nutritionist-designed classics right to your kitchen. Freshly is offering our viewers, that's you, $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash newsdump. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash newsdump for $40 off your first two orders. That is Freshly.com 
slash newsdown for $40 off your first two orders. This episode is also sponsored by Gainful. There's nothing more personal than your health. So when it comes to finding the right nutrition supplements to meet your fitness goals, you need a personalized approach. Thankfully, now there's Gainful, the personalized nutrition system that's formulated for your body and goals. Gainful gives you peace of mind that your protein, hydration, and pre-workout supplements contain the finest ingredients specifically for you. Get started by taking the five-minute Gainful quiz. Uh, Gainful considers your dietary needs, your goals, and unique physiology to personalize your formula. Gainful delivers your supplements with no shipping charge every month. You can cancel anytime or adapt your plan as needed. All Gainful products are formulated by their on-staff registered dietitians and are backed by pro-level exercise scientists on their science advisory board. Every Gainful customer gets complimentary one-on-one access to their own registered dietitian, available anytime to answer your questions. Gainful's rigorous quality control process ensures that your supplements only have clean ingredients that you can pronounce, along with zero artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners. Start your personalized fitness journey today with Gainful. To get $20 off your personalized supplements, go to Gainful.com slash Newsdump. That is Gainful.com slash Newsdump for $20 off. Gainful, personalized nutrition made for your tastes. All right, so look, last year we had everyone screaming about the Snyder Cut, and then last week we had David Ayer confirming that Warner Brothers screwed him as well and insisted that somewhere out there is an Ayer Cut of the original Suicide Squad. But you're not man enough to find it. You're not man enough. You can't. You don't have the ball. You wouldn't be interested in that. <laughs> Forget about it, kid. Forget we even mentioned it. Uh, yeah, but uh, apparently that is out there somewhere, uh, only seen by a couple people, but it, it apparently exists. But both of those films only had people begging to see the director's original vision after they'd been released, and everyone saw how terrible they were. Well, apparently people don't have a single shred of faith left in the executives <laughs> over at Warner Brothers because we've already got... Some people out there clamoring for a director's cut of a film that hasn't even been released yet. Denny Villeneuve's Dune. Yeah, so this time the request is coming from inside the film. Who was phone? Which at this point is the only place a legitimate request for a Villeneuve cut of Dune could come from because no one else has seen it. Yeah. So this request it also comes from someone who got to see firsthand what a studio can do to a film in an attempt to make it somehow more palatable for movie theater audiences. Jason Momoa, who starred as Aquaman in Justice League, and also plays Duncan Idaho in Dune. Uh, in all honesty, this request is simply an off-the-cuff statement that Momoa made that shows he's just excited about this movie, and not that he thinks <laughs> what is going to be released in the theaters is going to be like a sacrifice to Villeneuve's original vision. Yeah. But it's enough to get a certain crowd going, that's for sure. Nah, I don't think you'd be interested. I just don't think that you uh, you have it in you anymore. Yeah, it's, Dune's great. It's a shame none of you are ever going to see the real version. Yeah, I mean, even I, like you can't even go see the, the version in theaters because you know that Warner Brothers has had their stupid, grimy little hands all over it. But look, look, you've already completed your life's quest. Yeah. You don't have any more energy, no more stamina. To, they did it to, to, to Joe Dorowski. They did it to David Lynch, and now they're doing it to Denny Villeneuve. What are you going to do about Forget it? Forget it, kid. It's Dune. <laughs> uh, in an interview with the New York Times, Momoa had this to say. It was a cool movie. You know what they need to do? They need to make the four to six hour version of the first half. It's like, let's watch the four to five hour movie like a TV show. I can choose when I want to watch the whole thing. I want to see Denny's whole vision. I don't want it to be trimmed. I mean, he's he's kind of saying it. The full vision. Don't trim it. Yeah. Warner Brothers, don't ruin it. Now, as IGN explains it, this movie, which covers the first half of the original novel storyline, has a theatrical runtime of two hours and 35 minutes. But Momoa is pretty clear in this interview. Over two hours isn't enough. He'd like to see a much longer version containing all the ideas that the director had. A Villeneuve cut, if you will. Now, again, 
to be fair, this doesn't point to the fact that the theatrical cut of Dune is going to be bad. He just wants, look, he thinks it's so good that why not have more of it? I mean, I like I like that he's doing this. I feel like every filmmaker should just plant these sorts of seeds. So yeah. if the movie does end up getting panned by critics, you can just be like, well, refer well, back to my previous comments. Also, in a sense of money-making opportunities for Warner Brothers, when you have like a filmmaker on the level of Denny Villeneuve, yeah. it would... Look, this has been a thing since fucking DVDs came out. The director's cut. Yeah. In a lot of cases, it was... Simply people being like, you want to see some tits? They couldn't show this in Too hot for cinemas. Yeah, but realistically, it would be beneficial monetarily for Warner Brothers to be like, look, we we all get it. You can't be in a theater for six hours straight unless you're one of those Marvel dorks who goes to when they show all the movies at once Mm -hmm. at the damn Disney theater. Yeah. But we got to trim something. there, There has to be multiple showings a day. You can't spend the whole day at the theater. If you want the full thing, we got it. It's on HBO Max afterwards. And that would, people would pay to see it twice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, doesn't mean the theatrical version is going to be bad. Just means there's probably a, a seven hour version out there somewhere. Um, but yeah, compared, like, look, the guy has a great track record of everything he, that's actually been released in theater. He's like arguably the best filmmaker working today. Yes. Like, you go through his career from his early movies, which were made for like, you know, very cheap, up to Blade Runner. It's all good. The man can work with an unlimited budget the or the tiniest budget. The man made a Blade Runner movie, and it was great. Yeah. It, an impossible task. <laughs> yeah. An impossible task. And he's a, presumably about to do the same thing with Dune, a movie yeah. that is essentially impossible a to make. A cursed project. Yes. So, look, regardless, I, we're still very excited for the film, which was, by the way, supposed to be released last year. Yeah. But obviously reasons. Uh, but it currently maintains a release date of October 22nd. And again, everything this guy has put into theaters has been great. So there's no indication that this will be bad. It's just Warner Brothers should seize this opportunity and consistently make a theatrical version and then a version where the director can just do whatever the fuck he wants with his editor. Yeah. Even if it's seven hours long. I would be in favor of that. That's yeah. uh, that's, the, that's the kind of centrism I can support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really reaching across both sides of yeah. the aisle. Reaching yeah. across the aisles. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Let's move over to Kanye West news to round out the day. Uh, remember when Kanye dropped that brand new, highly anticipated album, Donda? Or Donda? Donda? It's named after his mom. Sorry, yeah. no disrespect. No, oh, you don't remember when he released it? Well, that's because despite having a highly publicized listening party at Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Kanye has decided that the album needs a little bit more polish and has apparently been working on it in solitude with the stadium and living at the stadium He's got the stadium to himself. Yeah, he's staying in he's like a locker room. Staying in a room with no windows. Looks like a prison cell. Mm-hmm. He's been doing this since July 22nd when the listening party happened and the album was supposed to be released. He's also been wearing a pantyhose on his head. Looks like some sort of weird mask. And then recently, more recently, he was wearing spikes all over his body. He's a very eccentric individual, Elliot. Don't yeah. question his process. Anyway, now he's live streaming himself, finishing the album, however long it takes. Streaming that to Apple Music. Which has already had plenty of weird moments, including like just him waking up and yeah. being like, "In, like, I'm not dressed. Here I am on the live stream. Yeah, let's finish an album. Sleeping, just just sleeping. Yeah, in the middle of the day, staying up all night and sleeping in the day, never seeing sunlight. Very healthy. Yeah, very. It's, for it, for a person who for a person with obviously great uh, stable uh, mental health. And we're not mocking that because we, look, we have a long track record of saying that Kanye is a brilliant artist who would benefit from a little bit of therapy and help a little bit 
if he would just accept it, which apparently yeah. hasn't gone over well when his ex-wife, now ex-wife, yeah. Kardashian has suggested it. Yeah. Now I'll just go to fucking Wyoming for a while. I'll be fine. Not that a bit of fresh air couldn't do you some good. Hey, we could all use a little Wyoming. Almost. Hey, why don't you go outside and touch some fucking grass, eh? Yeah, touch grass. Uh, now, we actually filmed this episode late Thursday night because our schedules the past two weekends have been really messed up. Uh, we have family obligations and a bunch of shit going on. It's summertime. Obligations. So apologies if anything has happened since. Uh, hopefully the album dropped. And all indications would lead you to believe that if you are watching this episode right now, either the album has been released... Or there's been another delay and Kanye's going to have to spend even more time finishing it up live. Yeah, there is a countdown clock that ends Friday morning, midnight 30. Um, so by the time you watch this, it, look, there's a new Kanye album. And it's the greatest album that has ever been made. Why does he keep, like, I mean, I get, I get wanting to build hype. But, like, with a guy like Kanye, I feel like he would be better served just not announcing anything and dropping shit just out of nowhere. Because when he but, does shit like this, this is like the second or third time he's like delayed an album that people were like staying up till midnight to listen to and just like, yeah, actually it's not ready. It's like, at that point, just stop telling people there's an album coming and just do the fucking work. Regardless of whether or not it's annoying to fans or anyone else looking in, he, it's not even, you can't even argue the fact that this guy is exceptional at getting eyeballs on him. And he is, whether you want to admit it or not, one of the most brilliant musicians of all time and uh, an absolutely incredible... Uh, he, the man's brain works different. He's built different. He's definitely the, built different. The productions, his live productions, his studio productions are unmatched. Shit that people... He, the, the guy suspended himself above the crowd yeah, and just walked over all of them yeah, and then just like shot the shit for like 45 minutes. I saw him live once. He, the man put in a lot of work. He played like 40 songs in an hour. Like he was just like yeah, going you, back to back. You saw back. him at the... Uh, FYF, yeah. Yeah, so I think like concerts after that, he does spend a lot more time just talking and riffing. Yeah, he didn't uh, do but, any uh, of that. He, yeah, I saw him. He played so many songs and they were all <laughs> incredible. Yeah. And he was on a giant thing that put him up like 50 feet in the air. The guy's a great artist. I'm not doubting that. But uh, anyways, finally today, uh, more information has been released regarding the highly anticipated upcoming Netflix documentary about painter Bob Ross. Mm. If you'll remember, we covered the dark side of the joy of painting a few months back with an, uh, when an expose in the Daily Beast was published, which detailed a lot of the drama over the ownership of Bob Ross's likeness and the copyright that goes along with it. Um, lots of very interesting stuff that you wouldn't mm -hmm. uh, assume otherwise. Now, this documentary, it looks like it's going to delve deeper into that side of things, uh, which will bring this side of the story to way more people than that article or our video ever could. Uh, from Consequence of Sound. Directed by Joshua Rofe, the film pr promises to reveal the untold story of Bob Ross, the famously serene art instructor and host of PBS staple The Joy of Painting, and the battle for his business empire that cast a shadow over his happy trees. With a keen appreciation for nature and a kind and gentle demeanor, Bob Ross encouraged everyone he met to embrace their creativity and believe in themselves, becoming a cultural phenomenon along the way. The man who famously said that there were no mistakes, just happy accidents, has brought sheer delight to the world for decades. Beyond the iconic hair, soothing voice, and nostalgic paintings lies a mystery that many have yet to discover. So, uh, Bob Ross, happy accidents, betrayal, and greed hits Netflix. Heavy title. Achoo! Hits Netflix on October August 25th. Anyways, if you want to watch another live stream, guys, I'm wearing the shirt because you know what time it is. Oh, no. This weekend is Sturges. 
Remember last is year? Is Smash Mouth playing? Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't followed it this year. I followed it last year because I was supposed to be there last year yeah. before the pandemic hit. I had, was supposed to go with my family, and then it was kind of just this thing that I followed as a almost like a litmus test for how like generally America was deciding to handle things. And, of course, everything was handled poorly. It became a super spreader. What are you event. talking about? Uh, COVID's over. Uh, but, yeah, so this year it's happening again. And, look, I can't even... I can't even really, like, knock it this year because, like, you would assume that everyone going to Sturgis is vaccinated. And also, like, Lollapalooza just fucking happened with 100,000 people all crammed yeah, we'll, together. we'll see how that goes. I, I don't have high hopes about that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, interesting, uh, you know. As far as my vast uh, array of family members, um, the family members that I know within my family tree that are Harley riders are vaccinated. Oh, weird. The vast array of family members in my family that uh, are sport bike riders, not vaccinated. Huh. So do with that what you will. Uh, I don't know if there's any kind of... Well, when you buy a Harley, you get a free AARP membership. The yeah. same is not true of sports bikes. That's probably something to do with Also, it. like, inherently, sport bikes are more dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's Maybe you, you, like, you like the danger. Uh, anyways, yeah, I'm going to be watching the live streams in the background as I, uh, like, edit the videos and stuff like that to keep an eye on things, make sure everyone's having a safe, good time. Watch the drunk people stumble out of bars, um, and uh, just relive, <laughs> relive last year all over again. Anyways, uh, if you haven't seen our most recent episode, uh, it's about uh, a guy who justice has been served on a plane. Uh, very satisfying, but also very serious crimes. Like this guy, this guy did stuff that you should not do on a plane no, or in general. He's a Bad, naughty boy. But also got reprimanded immediately, and everyone on the plane mocked him. Uh, and also, the Trump card is here. Check out that video, and also our most recent episode of Tech News Day, where you can get paid to poop. That's right. Hopefully, in the future. All right, see you next time. Bye-bye.